know, if I'd ask you today, have you ever had a mountaintop experience with God, it wouldn't require a whole lot of background information for you to understand what that is. When you're where you should be with God and God's speaking with you, you feel his presence. Um, we would consider like that. And it doesn't have to just simply be in a service. You can have a mountaintop experience at home or at the doctor's or at Walmart. I mean, it could be in the car. Feel the presence of God. Enter into your, you feel it, you experience. And there's nothing like it. Also, if, if I would ask you, you know, what's a valley experience? What's, what's a valley like? Well, you, you would be able to describe that too. What are some of the things you have in the valleys of life? What, what do those look like? And you can just use one words if you want to, one word descriptions. What's those valleys look like? Or what do they feel like? Grief. They feel like grief? Absolutely. <coughs> hmm? Loneliness. Desperation. Desperation. Who? Death. Somebody else? Who? Pain. Overwhelmed. Anger. Alone. Disappointed word. Somebody said lonely. I think it was you, Chris. Loneliness is a word I can relate with uh, because once you've gotten used to the presence of God and you wander away from him or you don't feel him as intensely, you know what you're missing. You know who you're missing. You, you know the sweetness of the mountaintop. You know the harmony of, of the mountaintop. You know the friendship of them. They have fears, and you begin, you know, it's, it's hard when you're angry or you feel grief. But those are two experiences that you and I can relate with. Now, Corey, I can't take you in the Bible and says, okay, the Bible says that you will have mountaintop experiences. I can't take you there. Even though we've got verses like, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death and things like that. These are geographical locations that the Bible uses as, as hyperbole for us to be able to know what's going on. The Bible means what it means. Uh, when you look at the scripture, basically the people of God are always on one extreme or the other. They're either up on the mountain or they're down in the valley. They're either up here and they're experiencing all that comes with a mountaintop experience or they're down in the valley having all those same emotions and feelings and responses that you just described. Hurt, anger, uh, faith shaken, things like that. When you're in the valley or when you're on the mountaintop, I want you to know that God is just as strong and present with you whether you're in the valley or whether you are on the mountaintop. It's easier to fill him at one or the other. You know, sometimes I feel him more in the valley than I ever did on the mountaintop. Other times, you know, it's like I don't ever want to leave this mountaintop experience. There's an old boy by the name of Moses in the Old Testament. There was another old boy by the name of Joseph. Joseph was, if you've ever seen the musical, Joseph and the, the coat, the, the, help me out, Mr. Shaver. The multi, coat of many colors, but there was a musical. Was it multi? Uh, oh, there was another name in there besides that. Multicolor or multi. Technicolor, that was it. Who said, you said that? Good job, Brenda. Very good. Uh, Joseph in the technicolor coat. That's it. He gets out of that eventually, and within about 13 years of his entire time in Egypt, he's the number two man in control of Egypt. He's sitting right next to the president of Egypt. He's the one calling the shots. And we know that that happened, and we know why God did that, because Joseph was actually going to befriend the brothers that sold him into slavery. That's the reason why he went through all that. Now, here's a crazy thing, Cor. Joseph didn't know why he was 
sold into slavery by his family. I'm going to tell you what, nothing cuts deeper than a, than, than a cut from your family. Nothing cuts deeper. He had been cut deep. There's no way that Joseph would have known rape. God didn't tell him that when he was sold into slavery. Joseph is just going by his life thinking, I got dealt a bad hand. It wasn't until the very end when his brothers come to him with their, hand, with their hat in hand saying, we don't have any food. There was a famine in the land. And, and, and Joseph was made aware of the famine that God was going to send. So, so he had everything the way it should be. He couldn't have done that as a 17-year-old kid. He had to do it at 30. But the only way he could do it at 30 is because he had to have an executive level class on management. And he did. He did it at Potiphar's house. He did it in the prison. And it eventually allowed him to lead Egypt. He had no idea he was getting that training in the valley. He didn't have any idea that he was getting that training while he was sitting in a jail cell. He had no idea that God was preparing him to do something incredible. Because you see, Joseph didn't know what God was doing until after the valley. There's another cat, Moses. Not been another guy like him since. Nobody like him before. He was God's man to bring the people of Egypt. I'm sorry. It was God's man to bring the people of Israel. People said, dude, you got to put a sack on your face because we can't look at you. Because he just had the glory of God on him. And you can tell when people got Jesus on them. In fact, when you meet somebody for the first time, you can tell oftentimes within 15 if they've got Jesus on them. Because there's just something out and they could just tell he was drenched in the glory of God. He spoke to God face to face. Nobody's done that like Moses since or before. This was a unique cat. Man, this is where Moses and God interacted. This is where they talked as friends. And Moses, man, I mean, he was Moses, but he wasn't perfect. Moses had killed a man. Moses had lots of faith issues. Moses had lots of leadership issues. It wasn't like he was perfect. He wasn't sinless, but he was God's friend. He spent a lot of time on his mountaintop experience with God. And this is the thing about Moses. Joseph didn't know what God was doing till the end of his life. And it seems like with Moses, it was kind of turned around. God told Moses what he was going to do for him and through him at the very beginning. On the mountaintop, you're going to let my people go. You're going to throw this stick down. It's going to turn into a snake. I'm going to, you're going to show signs and wonders to Pharaoh. You're going to lead my people out. God let Moses know all that before he even went. Now, which would you rather God do for you? Tell you at the beginning, before you go through the valley, because I'm not a big fan of surprises. But I can probably most relate to Joseph. Because I'm thinking I'm just going from one valley to one valley to one valley to one valley after the next. But here's the thing that we forget. Church, if you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to turn to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 34. I do not believe the text is going to be on the screen. So if you have a Bible app or a copy of God's Word, I want to ask you to turn to Deuteronomy 34. It is the very last chapter of Deuteronomy. And I want you to listen to this. Moses is getting ready to die. He's come literally to his foot to the border of the promised land, land flowing with milk and honey. And because he had sinned, God brought him this entire way and said, hey, dude, I love you, but you're not going to go in because of your disobedience. He's having that literal, physical mountaintop experience. 
From the plain of Moab to Mount Nebo, this is all the land that God gave Abraham. This is the land that God has given the Israelites. It's time to go in. They've went through the 40 years of wilderness wandering. They've went through everybody under the age of 20 is alive, but everybody after the age of 20 has perished in the wilderness. A whole new generation is about to go into uh, the promised land, with the exception of uh, Joshua and Caleb, they're going in. Now Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo, from the valley to the mountain, to the top of Pisgah, which is opposite of Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land, Gilead as far as Dan, and Naphtali, and the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, and all the land. He said to Moses, Moses, this is the land that I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is the land, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you will not go over there. Wasn't that cruel of God? I brought you all this way. You can look, but you can't touch. You can smell the bread, but you can't have a slice. And if I was Moses, I would have been thinking, why, why did you let me do this for the last 40 years if I'm going to get them here and then you're going to take me out? But I want you to see. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, he died. And there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord, and he buried him in the valley of the land of Moab, opposite Beth Poor, but no man knows his burial place to this day. Although Moses was 120 years old when he died, his eyes were not dim, nor his vigor abated. He stayed healthy, and he kept all of his marbles until he died. So the sons of Israel wept for Moses in the plains, in the valley of Moab, 30 days. Then the days of weeping and mourning for Moses came to an end. Church, when you get to the end of your life... When you get to the end of your life, will you give glory to God? Whether you had a whole bunch of valley, plain experience, or whether you spent most of your time on the mountaintop, can you still give glory to God? Absolutely. Because the truth of the matter is, church, no matter where you find yourself on that spectrum, and some of you are on the spectrum, uh, yeah, I know, it's a bad joke, I'm sorry. Uh, lots of us are on the spectrum, maybe just a little bit. No, but no matter where we are on our journey, even when we don't feel like God is with us, Corey, God is with us. He's just as with us when we're going through the plains as he was on the mountaintop. Now, I, I wish God would tell us what's going to happen before the next because we can't even see him because remember, we're down the valley. The sun doesn't reach down there. That's where the wolves, the tigers, and the bears are. This is where the robbers hang out so they can mug you and jack you and steal things from you. It's in that valley where we get roughed up and bruised up and we get lonely and we get fearful and we question our faith and, and all the things that go with being in the valley. But guess what, guys? The same God that was with you up there is the same God that follows you down there. You don't take one step without Him. Man, back in the day, Mom had a, a, a I think it was from Home Interior, if you're old enough to remember what Home Interior is. But it was a little plaque. It had the Footprints poem on it. Footprints poem. Lots of us grew up in the 60s and 70s. It's that poem where there's two sets of steps in the sand. And during the hardest parts of, of the man's life, he's having this dream. During the hardest parts of, man's, uh, of this man's life, he sees Jesus and, and, and his own footsteps. But during the hardest parts, all he sees is one. By the end of the poem, the guy's mad at God. He says, where were you? You left me behind. He said, oh, no, man. That's when I was carrying you through there. Church, that kind of sounds kind of cheesy and kind of corny, but can I tell you what? Every word of it's true. 
No matter what you're going through, no matter what valley you're going through, God is with you. And here's the bonus. He has a plan for your time in the valley. He is training you and teaching you. He is equipping you. So you can do something when you get out of the valley. Because here's the thing. Your valley is not your last spot. That plain might, the plain of Moab may have been where they buried Moses, but can I tell you what? That might have been his final resting place, but that was not his final home. Y'all, Evergreen Cemetery or Paradise Cemetery, it might be your final resting place, but it's not your final home. Man, there is so, the, the best part of our life, church, is still yet to come. And I'm not telling you have your, high, your, your pie in the sky cheesy, charismatic smile on your face. I'm not trying to tell you to be a Pollyanna. I'm trying to help you understand that when Jesus says He'll never leave us or forsake us, that's not a feeling, that is not an emotion. Baby boy, that's a promise. And He's not going to leave. And here's the thing. Whether I'm in the valley or I'm on the mountain, I want God with me because I don't know my way around very well. When I'm by myself, I get in all kinds of troubles. I'm assuming you do too. Maybe that statue of William Penn. They have a guide to get up there, and they take you up there. And uh, this statue's over 100 years old. And at the base of this statue, oh, there's, there's, there's hundreds of, and this isn't funny, I don't even know why I'm laughing. I'm sick. There's like 100 birds that during the night, every day, they'd hit that stupid statue and they'd die. I mean, a statue's made today is to go up there and sweep up dead birds. How do you put that on a resume? You know, dead bird sweeper. You know, that's, that's going to be tough. But, but what the guide will tell you is that all those birds at the bottom of this statue, they're not the old birds. They're the young birds. They don't know their way. They don't know the statue there that if they come into contact with it tonight going 30 miles an hour, they are D-E-A-D. All the old birds... They know it's there, so even in the dark, they avoid it. They know not to go near it because they've had buddies lie down down there in the bottom of that statue. Church, there are statues in our life that we do not see, we do not anticipate, we can't uh, account for, we can't plan to go around or over because we don't even know. Church, what we need is we need somebody who's flown the path before to come beside us and lead us and to guide us. Church, whether we're on the mountain or we're on the valley, we need somebody who's traveled our road before. I have a high priest who, is not, who, who can sympathize with us, who's been tempted in every way, yet he did not sin. Church, Jesus wants to lead us through every valley we go through and every mountaintop we go through. And I believe he will because that's his promise. You say, lo, I am with you even till the end of the age, till the end of the world. Church, don't know where you're at today. Have no idea. But I do know this, you can make sure Jesus is with you. You can make sure that he's traveling with you. And I wish, I, I wish, I wish we knew what we were getting into before we didn't, I mean, before we, we, we went into it. Uh, but sometimes, church, we don't know what God's doing in our life until after it's all passed. Why'd you take my, why'd you take my wife so early? Why'd you take my husband so early? Why did these things happen with my kids? Why did this happen with my career? Why did this happen with my profession? Why did this happen with my church? Why did this happen with my finances? Why did this happen with my reputation? And you have to go through all that valley. And you can look back and oftentimes you can say, oh, 
I see exactly why you did that. I see exactly why you took me down that road. I see exactly why you took me down that valley. Because now I can turn back and serve somebody in the name of Jesus. I can be empathetic when I say I understand what it means to lose your wife or to lose your husband or lose your kid. I understand because you let me put on those shoes and walk through that valley myself. Attached to it too. If I could have every head bowed and every eye closed. I don't know where you're at today. You might be on the mountaintop or you might be in the valley. But I know that God can be with you at any one of them. When you're on top of the mountain, boy, it's beautiful. Your face shines because you've been in the glory. You get down in the valley and it gets dark. That light's difficult to see and that voice is arduous to hear. But church, you've not ever taken one step alone. You've not taken one step by yourself. Regardless of the environment or the situation. Church, I pray that whether you're at the beginning of your valley or the end of your valley getting ready to go up. I want you to take some time this morning and just simply thank God. Say, God, Spirit, you need God to deposit something into your inner man or your inner woman because you're lonely, you're scared, you're fearful, you're full of anxiety. You need God to, you, you need God to come in and comfort you and encourage your spirit. Man, there's nothing wrong with that. Because you want to go back to the man. I'm sorry stand to your feet with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, please. Y'all, in a moment, I'm going to open up the invitation to you. I'm going to give you a public challenge. Maybe you've been in that valley and you've even considered abandoning your faith or you, you've, you've considered walking away from God. You've considered walking away from the people of God, i.e. the church. You've considered, you've considered things that we don't even want to talk about. God wants you to know today He's not given up on you. He's just as real. He's just as faithful. He's just as gracious and merciful and strong and all-knowing. Whether you believe in Him or not. No matter what condition your faith is in, it doesn't determine who God is. He is faithful. He is just and kind and good. Y'all today, maybe some of you just need to get reacquainted with the God of your salvation. It might be hard in the valley, but He's still there. Today, maybe you just simply need to come forward and seek His face. Almighty God, in the name of Jesus, as we have this invitation, I pray that you would do for us what we cannot do for ourselves, Lord, and that is so much. Father, let us hear your voice. Let us feel your spirit. Father, I just pray in a very real way that the entire congregation would feel the wings of the Heavenly Father come down on us like a, like a hen to its chicks. Because, Father, some folks in this room today, they need some love. They need some encouragement. They need some spirit. They need some healing. They need some comfort from their daddy. Lord, I pray that you would come near the brokenhearted right now. I pray that you would come near to those who are questioning right now. And I pray that in just a few moments, Lord, 
as people make their way to the front of the altar. I pray that your spirit would just minister to them right now. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. And amen. Y'all, the invitation's open. Today, if you've got a scorched, bruised heart that needs to have God touch it, this invitation's for you as we sing. Brother Chris, what are we going to do? Sing. This invitation's yours.